Um, I'm Vince. I get the privilege of being one of the pastors here at Faith Community Church. It's grateful to, to be with you here this morning. And I'd love for you to, to stand with me as we read uh, the word of the Lord this morning. We've been in a study in the book of Ephesians, and we'll be continuing that study in Ephesians chapter 4. You'll see verses 1 through 16 on the screen, um, so you can follow along. I'll read out loud, and if you want to read out loud as well, you're welcome to. If you don't, totally your call. It says this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a, worth, a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with, the, with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all of the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the work that you're doing even here now. You are faithful. You are good. And we thank you for the Spirit, the way that you tenderly grow us and nurture us, provide the nutrients that we need to be a living, healthy body. So, Father, I pray that what, what might happen this morning and what might continue to happen this morning is that you would mature us, that you would cause us to be people that would look like Jesus. Father, the, the prayer con, con, continues to be, Lord, would we see your grace constantly moving us from death to life? And so, Lord, if there's any space in our lives that you would want to shape, that you would want to mold, Lord, we surrender those areas of our lives to you. And, Father, I believe that, that as you do that work, that we'll be a people of peace, that we'll be a people of love, of resiliency, that we'd be a people that encourage others. Father, 
what we see, what we hear your son teaching us through the gospel accounts is that in you is the fullness of life. And Lord, I want, I want to be a people that know life and life to the full. Help us to experience that. Help us to know that in more deep and profound ways. So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Please feel free to have a seat. Larissa and I grew up in pretty different contexts. Um, the parts of the country that we lived in, the movies that we watched, uh, our family dynamics, the spiritual engagement of, of our home. Like, there are so many times that Larissa and I are in conversation with one another, and we just realize, man, we are different people. But one of the ways that that, that plays out uh, is through music. And what I mean by that is that we'll often find ourselves in different spaces. We're hanging out together, and we'll be, say, in a restaurant, and uh, there's background music that's playing, or we're watching a movie, and, and as part of the movie, there's a soundtrack, and a song will begin to play, or we'll, we'll be in the car listening to uh, the radio or listening to a crafted Spotify playlist, and as we're in the car... A song like this will come on. And Larissa will begin to engage with the song, and she'll begin to sing along with the song. And as she's singing and, and bobbing her head to the song, I look over to her and I say, who is this? And, and, and she, yeah, like that, her response is to say, you don't know Amy Grant? And I say, who? <laughs> she says, you don't know Amy Grant? And I say, I, I didn't grow up with Amy Grant. I have no idea who that is, and I have never heard that song before. And, and, and she's just you know, floored by that. Like, how is it that you grew up in the 80s and 90s, and you at no point came across that song. But we'll be hanging out together, and, and I'll have one of my playlists on in the car, and a song like this will come on. And I'll start bobbing my head. And I'll be into the music, and I'll be in the place where it's like, yes, anticipating the lyrics that are about to be coming on in, in the radio. And, and Larissa will look at me and say, Who's that? And, and my response will be, you don't know Jurassic 5? You've, you've, anyone in the room know who J5 is? We grew up in different contexts. We grew up in different backgrounds. We grew up in different times. Right? Across this room, there could be songs that could come on, and you would be floored that no one else in the room knows that song. <laughs> we have different backgrounds. And, and, and as we're raising our boys, we realize that there are songs like this that they play over and over and over again. And it's, it's just 
we're floored by the fact that they can play the same song again and again and again and never seem to grow tired of it. Right? We, we, we have different preferences. We have different backgrounds. But it's not, it's not just as simple as the fact that we have different tastes in music. It's the fact that there's a lot that goes along with our preferences of music. It's more than preference, it's more than like. What you might begin to understand or you might be able to reflect on right now is that there are memories. There's something sentimental. There's heritage. There's culture, there's background, there's family history that comes along with the music that we listen to. There's songs like this. And when songs like this came on, on Saturday morning, in my home growing up, it meant mom expected us to clean. <laughs> this was her cleaning music. This was the music that came on, and it just meant that we were going to rearrange furniture. It meant that we were going to take out the trash. It meant that we were going to be doing lawn work. It just meant that if this music was on, that she was in a certain kind of mood. This album, if you've never heard it before, is called Canciones de Mi Padre. Written, or it was released by Linda Ronstadt, I believe, in 1987. And after years of releasing music, she felt the, the desire to release an album that, and that translates to Songs of My Father, that she would release an album that would honor and, and bring um, prestige to her family history. And actually, when that album was, was released, it came alongside, it, what came along with it was a booklet of not only the, the, Spanish, the lyrics in Spanish, but it also came out with the lyrics uh, translated to English. And in addition to that, it also came, it also had little write-ups for each song about why Linda Ronstadt found that song specifically so meaningful when it came to her reflecting on her heritage, her family. And as she released that album, it actually became, and it might even still be, the highest selling non-English album in American history. It's, it's an incredible album. I definitely encourage you to listen to it. But for me, it's not just preference when I hear that album come on. It's childhood. It's history. It's family connections. It's thinking about my grandma and grandpa. It's, it's, it's thinking about sitting in the back seat of my grandpa's Cadillac and listening to Linda Ronstadt and Vicente Fernandez. I don't speak Spanish, but man, I love, I love listening specifically to this album and, and to Vicente Fernandez because it's, it's who I am, right? It's, it's part of who I am. And now listen, because Lurus and I come from different backgrounds, specifically thinking about our music, and as now we live together, there are some options that are available to us in how we approach music. See, well, now as, as our lives are united together, we could make the decision that says, you know what, our musical preferences, likes, uh, things that we value, what we call quality, 
are so different, you know what maybe what we should do so that way we continue to get along is let's not even talk about music in our home. Let's not play music. Because we recognize that, that our backgrounds are so different that if we were to play music that it might create opportunity for there to be tension. Maybe an option for us is, you know what, when it comes to music, when you want to play Amy Grant or Celine Dion, maybe go to the room and, and close the door so I don't have to listen. Or maybe when I'm in the mood to go back and play The Roots or, or Tribe Called Quest or Jurassic Five, that she might say to me, why don't you just go sit in the garage and listen to your music? Or, you know, maybe an option that's available to us is, you know what, our music are so different. You grew up listening to Celine Dion. I grew up listening to The Roots. Let's just be country. Let's just be a country family now. We have different music, so let's just pick, let's just pick a new genre. Or maybe the option is we have to right now decide which music is going to be our music. Are we going to be a hip-hop family, or are we going to be an R&B family? Are we going to be a pop family? Or are we going to be a country family? And, and as our lives are united together, this is what we're learning. Listen to each other's music. I can still have my preferences. I can still have my likes. I can still have what I consider as quality and good but I don't feel the need to convince Larissa or my boys my music is better than yours. And actually, when we're in the car together, the decision that is often made is that we will play each other's music. And so I listen to Celine Dion now. Tony Braxton. The Cranberries. The, the songs, even last night, I was, I was working out on, on the, the Peloton, and as I was doing so, a, a song came on by a group called Heart. And, and I'm working, and Larissa's off to the side in the room, and she's singing along, and I look over to her, and I'm laughing, and I was like, literally, you know what I'm going to be preaching on, and I said, I don't know this song. No clue. But when it's time to play music, a lot of the times I'll intentionally turn on the boys' music. It's not what I prefer in the moment, but we're one. That's not gonna change. We're united together. We live under the same roof. We hang out together. And so I'm learning to put their preference above my own. And honestly, Celine Dion's good. <laughs> and my musical preferences are becoming more mature. There's maturation, there's growth that's taking place. 
And that doesn't mean that what I listened to in the past is bad. It just means that there's now more variety. There's, there's, there's different options for me to listen to. All of a sudden, there's more depth. There, 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 there's, there's more variety at play that I can engage with. Paul turns the corner here from Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 to Ephesians chapter 4. And as we've reflected on in, in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, Paul is, is very theological. There, there's, there's, there's beauty, there's insight, there's structure, and it is, it's profound, and you can explore it like you would explore the Mariana Trench, right? There is so much depth to what Paul is writing, but there's also like so much intentionality to what he's doing in Ephesians chapter 1 through 3. He's, he's giving the church rich theology, and as he turns the corner in Ephesians chapter 4, he's going to get very practical for us. Th therefore, this is how you should live. And as by way of reminder, Ephesians chapter 1, it starts off with a greeting in verses 1 through 2, and Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, he gives this one long sentence in the original Greek that's over, it's over like 200 words in the original Greek language, and, and in that, that, that run-on sentence, he's setting the stage for what the rest of the book of Ephesians is going to be addressing. He's, he's laying down the foundation for us in that opening sentence. And in that opening sentence, he intentionally crafts it so that there's three movements to that sentence. The first movement is about the work of the Father. The second movement is, is about the, the work of the Son. And then the last movement of that, that one sentence is about the work of the Spirit. And, and he intentionally crafts it so that the center movement is what the Son has done for the church. And in the center of that center movement is this sentence. And this is God's plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. And so what we hear from Paul right now as he's, as he's crafting that opening sentence for us is pay attention to this, because this is what matters. Everything is being united in Jesus. And then, he, and then so if you take a step back and you look at Ephesians chapter 1 through chapter 3, what you'll find is that, that it's intentionally, this, this is intentionally crafted, and the way that Paul writes, it looks a lot like the book of Psalms, where if you read through the book of Psalms, it intentionally comes in and then goes back out, and so the central sentence or the central uh, word that's being brought up in, in, say, a psalm will often be like, this is the climax, this is the crescendo, this is what I, what I really want you to zero in on. And so when you look at Ephesians chapter 1 through chapter 3, you'll see it's intentionally designed that way. You can take a picture. Um, by the way, this is from Tim Mackey in the Bible Project, and no way do I want to take credit for, for discovering this. Um, but it, the way that it's intentionally crafted at the very center of Ephesians chapter 2 are these sentences. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Again, for Paul, this is the central theme. So if this is your calling, 
What does it look like to live worthy of this calling? It's this. Have relational skills. Learn to get along with people. That's the therefore. God has, God has done this, this cosmic work. God, through, the, our, through the Messiah, through Jesus, all of heaven and earth have, are being reconciled together. And so, and Paul makes this conclusion. Therefore, be mature in your relationships. That's the practical application. Tim Mackey, again, reflecting on this, said it this way. Paul highlights that this new way of unified life will require enormous personal growth, relational maturity, and conflict resolution skills. But it is the only reasonable response given the cosmic unity of God's people. That's the conclusion. Learn to get along with people. Learn to be in the same house. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different preferences. We all have different heritages. We all have different, we all have different cultures. We all have different values. And now what we need to learn is what it means to be humble and patient. That's the therefore. And if you bring back up the, the big uh, section here in Ephesians chapter 4, you can go, yeah, go forward um, to that, what you had before. Paul writes that, the, the, that where we want to end up is, is here in verses 14 through 16 of Ephesians chapter 4. It says, therefore, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing us in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Here's Paul's angle that, that, that he's, he's bringing before us is, listen, what spiritual maturity looks like is relational maturity. That we would be healthy and the commands that he also gives on the front end of the passage, right, is to say, listen, this is, be, live a life worthy of the calling that you've been called. Do you want to live a life that's worthy? This is what it looks like. Always be humble. Always be gentle. Be patient with each other. Make space for one another to make mistakes. And always be striving towards unity. This is the goal. Paul's therefore for us is, is, is to say, Grow up, but not in this like this this fierce or 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 mean confrontational kind of a way. The, the the picture that he gives to us again using the resources of Bible Project is is this. Is that what you'll notice? What Paul writes is is Jesus is our head, and 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 the understanding is church, you have a really big head. And what, what God is doing 
is he's making the body match the head. And, and so that's why he says, don't be immature like children. It's not about, it's not about immaturity. It's about body maturity. It's about body growth. What makes kids so dang cute is that their heads don't match their bodies. Right? You see a, a toddler waddling around, and part of why they have hard, such a hard time walking is because their head is so heavy. Their eyes are massive. And what Paul is saying, listen, church, church, we, we have a big head. And that, that big head is, is Jesus. Jesus is the head. And what he's doing is he's growing up our body. He's maturing our body. So that we would be adults. So that our body would function in a way, work in a way that matches our head. So, so come alongside the growth that he's doing. He's uniting us together. He's, he's, he's binding us together. Church, here's, here's, here's the good news. God wants to build you up. His desire for your life is that you would be healthy, that you would be whole, that you would be loving, that you would be resilient. Do you see what Paul is saying here? Listen, what God is doing amongst us, he's doing such a work that, that your life won't be one that's like constantly tossed back and forth. For anyone in this room, and including myself, that deals with things like anxiousness, stress, worry, doubt, to have God show up and say, listen, what I want to do in your life is to make you calm. I want you to have peace. I want you to be steady. For anyone in this room that deals with, with anger, for anyone in this room and is in a place with difficult relationships, for anyone in this room that, that dreads going to work because you just know it's a drag that the work that God is up to in your life is this. I want to make you loving. I want to work in your life in such a way that your mode of operation is joy. I, I want to work in your life so that you can be in different contexts and you can be someone that makes space for others. I want you to be someone that's humble, that's gentle, that's good. I want you to be someone that others know that they are loved by. And this is the work that I want to do in your life. And church, no matter where you find yourselves right now, maybe you, you have imposter syndrome. You always feel like you're, you're, you're failing and you're disappointing 
and your disappointment to others, if you've ever just been in this place where you beat yourself up and you have this really loud inner critic, that what you would hear the Spirit of God saying to you is this, I can raise you up. I'm doing a good work in your life. I delight in you. I adore you. I love you. I am for you. I am with you. God's doing a good work within you. That's what, that's what he's, he's up to in our lives, that we would be a person who can, who can engage. You look at verses 14, 15. We can be a people that engage with the world and still embody the truth and ways of Jesus. We can be a people that are in the middle of difficult conversations and still embody the way of Jesus. That's the work that he's doing within us. And friends, how do we get there? How do we get to this place where, where we see maturation happen in our body? The avenue for spiritual growth is through relationship with the people that God has gifted to us. And so that's why he, he tells us here, now these are the gifts that God has given to, to the church. He's given us the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. And can I tell you, that those different people gifted to the church all have their preferred playlists of music. Right? The, 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 uh, the apostle would likely come to you and say, hey, listen to this band. They are so groundbreaking and creative. I, would, I think that you would absolutely love this band. They are doing new things, and I think that you would appreciate and love being a part of it. And the prophet would likely come to you and say, hey, have you heard of U2 or Rage Against the Machine? I think that you would love them. <laughs> right? The prophet is, is someone that would create this playlist that would say, man, this music addresses the things that are happening in the culture around us and will teach us what it looks like to come back to the ways of God. And the evangelist would likely come to you and hand you a love mixtape <laughs> and say, I crafted this playlist because I love you so much. <laughs> and I think about you all the time. And the shepherd, they would likely come to you and say, this music has been so good for my soul. There, there's, there's, so much, there's so much encouragement in listening to this music. And it's just, it's, just, it's just good to sit in. And then the teacher would likely come to you and say, hey, here's this book about music. But God intentionally gifts to the church a variety of voices, a variety of perspectives, a variety of backgrounds. And he does it on purpose so that the church learns to listen not to just one point of view. 
one way of seeing things, that, that, that God intentionally, in his wisdom, in building up the church, in making us more mature, brings us different people so that we might learn what it looks like to see the multifaceted nature of who God is. That's what he's up to in the world. That's what he's doing for us. And as church, as we're able to listen to different perspectives and backgrounds, what it does in our lives, it, it, it actually makes us stronger and more resilient. Esau McCauley was interviewed about his book, Reading While Black, where he talked about the perspective of, of, of growing up in a black community that, that, that loved Jesus and now being like living in a world where he's more amongst a, a, a majority culture and how that plays out in his life. And I read this quote to you, I think, two weeks ago, but I want to read it again. He says this, he says, my experiences shape the way that I see the world and influences the way that I read the Bible. In some ways, it helps me, but in some ways, it hinders me, which is the reason why I need other people with differing experiences to help me read the Bible better. Because we're learning what it is to listen to one another. Be humble, be gentle, make space for one another's faults, always strive towards unity. That's what spiritual growth looks like. And the church is gifted this ability to listen to different voices. It's, it's Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. I'll read it to you from two different translations. It says this in the New King James Version. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. In the New Revised Standard Version, iron sharpens iron, and another person, and one person sharpens the wits of another. What God does by gifting us people, and as we rub shoulders with one another, and learn to live under the same house, what God is up to in that space is that he's making us sharper. He's growing us. He's maturing us. Right? As, 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 as I'm in a marriage with Larissa, I didn't, I didn't listen to musicals. I didn't watch musicals. I didn't read very many books. <laughs> I didn't eat very many vegetables. Right? Like, I didn't visit small towns. There's just all these different areas. And as we're married to one another, and, and as, as she says, hey, let's have broccoli for dinner it's growing me <laughs> it's maturing my body it's doing a good work within me and as larissa has been in marriage with me i think she now knows who the starting center of the golden state warriors is god's using me to make her sharper god's using me to teach Larissa patience. <laughs> the imagery of iron sharpening iron is the imagery of friction, is the imagery of sparks. But if we learn, like Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, that we've been united in Jesus, but what we recognize is we have, we're, we're one. That's not going to change. 
And listen, church, I saw it on display this past Wednesday night as I sat under Elizabeth Pipkin's leading of a Bible study. And as she led this Bible study, she opened up the, the, the conversation so that everyone would share what they're seeing and reading in the book of Mark. And as I got the opportunity to sit around a table with people that are different like, than, than me, I got to see Jesus in a new way. There were observations made about the passage that I wouldn't have observed on my own. But as I sat around the table with others and heard them, we were all looking at Jesus. But we all saw something different. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, different giftings that are given to the church. And it is done by God to gift to the church so that we might grow with one another, so that we might be more resilient with each other. I want to, I want to lead you in a, in a very, very quick practice. And what I want you to do is, if you would, stand with me for a moment. I want you to just find somebody else. And this is the posture that I want you to take. Just find one other person. It'll be really quick, but, but please go along with me. I know that this isn't a lot of times the funnest thing to do for some people. Um, but here's what I want you to do. With one hand, I want you to make a fist and hold that up against your chest. And with the other hand, I want you to extend and shake the other person's hand. That's it. That's all I want you to do. Sit down, please. Here's the point. Here's the point. You have your heritage. You have your culture. You have your preferences. You have your values. And you can hold those things. But you could still welcome another. And that's what Paul's doing here for the church. That's what he's teaching us. Jesus has united all things together. And you have your culture, your background, your values. But you could still open your life to another. Be humble, be gentle. Make space for one another to have faults. And now, listen, church, you can sit in different rooms and music can come on. And when that music is playing, we don't have to have the automatic response that says, my music's better than that. <laughs> but what we can do in that environment is, is we can hold on to our preferences. We can hold on to our culture and our values, but we can still listen. We can still engage with. We could still learn what it is to, to hear other voices. And let me wrap it up by, 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 by what is up to there in the middle of this passage. As usual, this is first embodied in Jesus. Do you see the movement of Jesus? He descended. He descended. He shows us the way. 
Church, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, be the servant of all. If, if you want to see growth in your life, become less. If you want to ascend, if you want to be raised up, if you want to see life and life to the full, then the first step is to descend. What's unique about this passage here is that there, it's a quote it says, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. And I'll ask the worship team to come back up here. What's unique about that quote there, it's a quote from the Old Testament, but it actually doesn't say, and gave gifts to his people. It's actually a picture of, of God coming in, into, into the city with victory, and the people are giving gifts to the king. And Paul does something unique here, and he shows us this is the heart of God. He should have been the one that received gifts. Jesus, when he came here to earth and dwell amongst us, our response should have been that we put on the clothes of a servant and we began to serve him because he's king. But what this king did when he showed up while he should have been the one receiving gifts, he's the one that gave gifts. This is our God. And, and, and on the night that he's betrayed, when the disciples are sitting around the table literally arguing about who amongst them is the greatest, Jesus' response was to get up and go put on the clothes of a servant and begin to wash their feet. He descended. He stoops down. He bows low. He puts on the clothes of a slave. And what God reveals to us is that if we take that posture, if we descend with him, then he'll lift us up. My college pastor always used to have this phrase, listen, if you'll be all about God and all about others, you will discover that God is all about you. Be humble. Be gentle. Be patient. Make space for one another to make mistakes to mess up, to fall short. Sit in the room with people that have different opinions and backgrounds than you, and love. And serve. And bless. Jesus modeled this for us. Modeled it for us. Descend. Descend. Watch what he does. Watch what he does amidst, amongst a community of people that all take on this posture. He will mature us and he will give us a body that matches our head.